Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport Magazine, Autosport.com, I'm Kevin Turner, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, after a year away, the Aston Martin Autosport BRDC Young Driver of the Year Award returned for 2021, and the four finalists for this year are now in what I imagine is a fairly nervous time between doing the hard work of the uh, the driving on track at Silverstone. One of them will win £200,000 and various other goodies and join a list that includes uh, Jensen Button, David Coulthard, George Russell and Lando Norris. Uh, and I'm very pleased to say that joining me uh, for this podcast special is Zach O'Sullivan, uh, GB3 champion this year. How are you doing, Zach? Has the weight been too nervous or is it okay? It hasn't been too bad. I've been kept pretty busy for, with uh, preparations for next year. Uh, and yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for being here. So let's get let's get right to it then. I mean, first of all, the obvious question: what 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 got you into motorsport? Why why do you want to be a racing driver? Uh, I think, unlike some people, I'm not. It's kind of not like a, a family generational racing kind of thing. Uh, my dad had a kind of vague interest in cars, even from the mechanicing kind of side when he when he grew up uh, in rural Ireland, just playing around uh, building. I think it was an Austin Miner at the time. Um, and then, yeah, when I was growing up, uh, he used to always kind of watch the F1 every weekend, again, with vague interest. Uh, and I thought I'd kind of follow suit. Uh, and you yeah, had a couple of, of guys watching the F1. Uh, and yeah, I kind of fell in love with the sport then. Uh, and that was during the kind of uh, Schumacher Alonso era and then into the Alonso Hamilton era um, of 2006 to 2007. So, um, yeah, for me, that was kind of the, the main starting point of my, my love, love of cars. Uh, we went to a couple of Grand Prix as I was growing up. Uh, and yeah, I was kind of avid follower of the sport from from a young age. Uh, and then when I was age seven, I believe, we went to the Autosport show uh, in Birmingham and I saw a go-kart on sale and I thought, this is awesome to me at the time. It was kind of a mini F1 car. Um, and I thought, 
can I have a go? So after a year of kind of pleading and, and begging, eventually for my eighth birthday, uh, I got given a little Bambino go-kart as a birthday present. Uh, and it kind of went from there. Initially, actually, we had a kind of derelict tennis court near home. Uh, and I kind of practiced drifting around there. So uh, I could only go clockwise at the beginning. Uh, and then I remember when I switched to anti-clockwise, I really struggled because I couldn't really counteract with the <laughs> opposite lock. So, uh, yeah, I would have been a good NASCAR driver, I think, at the age of eight. <laughs> Fantastic. And then obviously, after a karting career, I guess it's one of those things where yeah, do you take it further? What was the what was the sort of spur to get you into single seater racing? Because some people stay in karting forever, either as professionals or just it's kind of their entertainment, their hobby. So, what was the thing that made you go right? This is it. We're going to give this a shot at single seater racing. I'd say, ironically, probably more due to some struggles in karting. Actually, um, I think looking back on it now, knowing what I do now, when when I was when I'm 16 compared to what I knew when I was 11, 12, uh, it would have been a completely different story. I think. When you're that young in karting, it's so hard. You don't really know how to drive the kart. You just drive. Uh, and I think it kind of falls into some people's laps. They happen to drive in a correct way. Other people struggle a bit more. It, it really is uh, pretty pretty random. So I think I, I wouldn't say I was bad in karting, but it wasn't amazing. Uh, I won a couple of races, but not too many. I think at the end, I think it was 2018. I had a really tricky year um, with the team. I was kind of disagreeing. I thought it was the engines. They thought it was me. Uh, I'm sure many drivers had the same experience and same stories. And into that year, instead of going to senior karting, uh, I decided to go to the Ginetta Junior Championship just to, to get out the karting scene. Um, it was a low budget alternative uh, and also to try my hand in cars, see how I was. Uh, it wasn't too much of a financial kind of damage if I did a year of Ginetta Juniors and struggles, and then we could kind of call it call it quits after that. Um, but yeah, I went pretty well in Ginetta Juniors. Uh, I really enjoyed that year. Probably the year I learned the most and had the most fun. It was pretty relaxed on and off track. Um, pretty free racing, bumper to bumper, a bit of contact. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was pretty stressful whilst I was probably on track, actually. Uh, especially kind of my, my second weekend in cars was actually at Thruxton. Um, so that was pretty entertaining. Uh, I think it's the closest you can get to kind of side drafting and all that kind of aspect of things. So yeah, as I said before, I learned so much uh, and I think it could put me in kind of good stead then to go into to F4 the year after. Uh, and from my performances in Ginetta's, that was the logical step. Yeah, I must admit the Ginetta Junior, sometimes they threaten to steal the show on a British Touring Car Weekend. Some of the races are absolutely sensational. So, And, and to be fair, it's been a launch pad for uh, quite a few drivers over the last few years. So you're, you're not alone in uh, following that. But now, I mean, obviously, anyone that's followed National Motorsport will know that you had one of the most heartbreaking uh, kind of finales to a championship at the end of 2020. And with the British F4 Championship, it was going to be yours, then it wasn't, then it was, and it wasn't again. Um, and obviously, you stepped up into, into GB3 or B our DCF3 was it was at the start of the year what was your expectation then did you think yeah I can because obviously there's quite a big step up in terms of the, the power and the, the lap times of the car did you think yeah I'm going to go for the championship were you thinking it was a two-year thing what was your obviously you were with Carlin so yes. you had you knew you'd have the kit so what was your target coming into 2021 uh I mean I, I say it a lot and it's just to learn to be honest um I think for me part of the reason staying in, in the UK instead of going out to Europe um earlier on was really to, to learn a bit more. Um, obviously I knew the tracks and the tracks are very, very useful for learning, pretty narrow and it's pretty fine margin for error. And also within the UK, I think the competition is high. Um, maybe not to the standard it was, let's say 10 years ago when the British F3 international series at its kind of peak. Um, but I still, still think it is pretty high. Uh, so that was the, the kind of ambition going into GB3 and also saving, um, a bit of money before I made the step ups into to more international series, um, where you get noticed slightly more. So yeah, expectations going into the season I mean 
I thought I'd be relatively fast. Uh, obviously, Carlin won the championship, I think, three, three, maybe four times now. So, uh, yeah, they definitely got a good car in that series. But it was interesting. I think this year, obviously, we had high tech up there, four tech, a couple of a couple more established teams uh, towards the front. So it was interesting to see the different strengths and weaknesses. I think it was the first year I kind of got to see different philosophies kind of playing out throughout the year. There were some circuits us as a team would go to and, and know we wouldn't be quite strong compared to the high-tech cars of the four techs. And then we went to other circuits like Donington where we knew we'd be strong due to the, the way we ran the car. So I think in that aspect, I learned quite a lot uh, and also not really to stress too much. I mean, in, in GB3 or what used to be British F3, there's quite a long weekend format. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I think we've got eight sessions uh, before we actually qualify. And of course, everyone's up to their standard games and tricks trying to make themselves feel faster uh, before qualifying. So a lot of the times on Thursday, I'd end up about fifth or sixth. Fridays, pretty pretty similar. And then qualifying, I'd be up there. So towards the end of the season, I was kind of expecting it. Um, so I think in that sense, it was kind of good to, to not really stress too much and just keep focusing on what I could do, uh, knowing that hopefully I'd be a bit, a bit better in qualifying. Yeah, I find it fascinating, actually, how in such, in theory, a controlled single-make uh, category that there can be such variations between the teams. And one of the things I noticed about you during the award test, which we'll get to in a moment, is you seem to have a very good understanding, real interest on the, the technical side, the setup, what the team is doing. Is that something you've always had or is that something you developed uh, you know, with Carlin during the year? I more developed it actually in, in Janetta Juniors. Uh, really? So, yeah. So the, the way I was kind of introduced, I, I, um, pretty extensive coaching actually when I made the transition from, from carts to cars. I really wanted to make sure I wasn't picking up any bad habits from karting to cars because it, it's so different. There's no real, I'm going to be honest, there's no real similarities. Uh, obviously, you learn a lot of race craft in karting. You learn how to get the peak of the tyre, etc. But actually, and, and of course, deal with pressure. But apart from that, actually driving the car, it's it's pretty, pretty opposite. Um, so I learned a lot about the weight transfer uh, and the kind of theory or the, the philosophy of having a flat car. Um, so that kind of got me into that ballpark and I actually kind of worked out I quite liked all this uh, this stuff. So it became, again, more critical when I moved to Carlin. Uh, I got a very good engineer who was pr- more willing to teach me about it. Um, I think he really believes in the driver understanding what's what we're doing to the car and why it makes a difference, uh, even to the stage when I can suggest things we could do. Uh, if we're scratching our heads, I'm thinking, would this work? And, and, and maybe not thinking that's a solution but just clarity to see if my ideas are correct or if they're they're slightly out of the window so yeah I, I found it quite interesting um and whether it's even this year looking at pictures online trying to see what other cars are running wings wise ride heights wise I just find it really interesting to see how people go about it um in different ways uh, and as you said at the award was, was pretty cool for me seeing three completely different cars um all run completely differently for different diff- different disciplines and and seeing really how they were set up, how the tyres worked, uh, and I, I guess what info um, people are gathered. Because as f- from my experience in the junior formulas, um, the most successful teams are the people who have the most information as a certain. They go out and find the information. Because obviously you are given pretty limited parameters. Um, and it's, at the end of the day, I think a lot of it comes down to, to working the tyre. So the best teams seem to have the most knowledge and information about their tyres uh, and then can set up the car accordingly. So for me, a big thing at the award at least was to to try and work out how the tyres worked. Um, obviously, luckily, I was we were all on Pirelli tyres across across the three days, so I had experience of the general theme of, of a Pirelli tyre. 
uh, from GB3, but they vary pretty massively across compound to compound. So yeah, as you said, I'm pretty invested in it uh, and I'm actually doing physics for, for my A-level this year. So yeah, I've kind of enjoyed that mechanical side. I probably in future want to focus uh, more on the engineering side uh, if I want to be a driver. Well, I must admit, it, one of the moments that really struck me uh, that stood out during the award uh, process, which actually wasn't part of the assessment, was the dinner that we had at the end of day one. And you were sat next to Mark Williams, who has won world championships at Formula One level. And you and him were having a conversation about the ethos of Formula T teams and their setups. And I thought I could see the look on Mark's face being engaged. I thought that was incredibly impressive for a 16-year-old to be having that sort of conversation. So I wanted to ask you about it. But before we move on to the award test, I think I should ask, should really talk about the way you clinched the GB3 championship as well. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a nip and tuck situation, really. You ended up winning it by a lot. You got seven wins and you did it uh, the way that I think it's good to see a championship one, which is going up, rocking up at the finale, not going, oh, do I need a fifth, sixth and an eighth? Bang, go out and win two races. So did the did you think that about that weekend any differently or did you just go, right, I'm just going to treat this like any other weekend and go out and do the business? It was actually probably the weekend I was ex- expecting to perform probably the least well, actually. Um, I had a pretty busy week. I think that week before I was actually at Hungary testing another car, uh, on the on the Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and then because of the Autosport Awards, I had the Mercedes Sim Assessment on the Thursday test. So actually, I turned off a day late to Donington, so I wasn't expecting too much of it. I thought I might be overdriving the car slightly, but actually, it turned out to be the complete opposite. Uh, I made some improvements on Friday night, especially with my driving to kind of get back into the zone. And I I usually find anyway a, a kind of a night to sleep on everything. All the information you absorbed seems to help um, subconsciously in your driving. And then, yeah, it was great to get, obviously, one pole and qualifying. But then in the races, I was in the, the wonderful situation where I didn't have any pressure on me. So I could be the one taking the risk, knowing that I think, I mean, probably a third of the grid were all battling for P2 at one stage in the championship. So everyone I was uh, fighting against, I knew we were, were all battling for P2. So I could um, take risks, make pretty risky moves, uh, and know for once they were the people who had to back out, not me. So, uh yeah, it was quite nice not having any pressure, really. Uh, and especially, I think, in the wet race in race two, that really that really showed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was a very good way of winning the winning the championship, especially after what happened the year before. So, right, there's going to be absolutely no doubt about this one. Yeah. Bang, very good. Um, well, let's move on to the award test. So just um, to, rem- to remind listeners, um, it's a Mercedes simulator uh, test or assessment, then athletic thinking around fitness, uh, fitness tests, which is cardiovascular and strength. And then the four finalists got to drive Motorsport Vision Formula 2, Garage 59 Aston Martin GT3 and BBM Sport Ginetta LMP3 machinery. So a lot thrown at the uh, the teenagers in a short space of time. So first of all, was, that, was there anything you were able to do ahead of time to prepare or were you just too busy to, to really be able to put too much preparation in? Uh, pretty busy, to be honest. Um, obviously, the single-seater car was probably, well, the F2 car is most similar to what I'm used to. Um, performance while they're driven cars are pretty similar performance preparing for for next year uh, and of course the gb3 car taught me quite a lot about silverstone i've really done countless days at silverstone this year just due to the nature of the the championship round so that, i think that was a bit of a help um but yeah apart from that i was i was pretty busy uh i had a, a vague idea of what the gt3 car uh would feel like from actually a, a prize test i got given halfway through this year uh before alton park i think in the in the the GP3 championship through a, a silly bet my coach Scott Malvin who races in, in British GT in the Porsche made with me saying that if I were to win the championship he'd give me a free test in the car so uh, 
fortunately for me and unfortunately for him, he lost the bet. Uh, so I got to to do half a day in that car, which was which was really cool. Um, so yeah, that was actually before I even got selected. So when I got selected, that's probably the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, okay, engine's in the wrong place, but at least it's a GT3 car. Um, but uh, yeah, apart from that, um, all the cars were pretty different to what I expected, to be honest. Uh, the LMP3 car was a, a lot pointier than I thought, uh, considering it's ideally made for endurance racing. Uh, the F2 car was actually a chunk faster than what I thought as well. Um, I'd done some kind of research online and and found some old laps from uh, when they used to race the car in 2012, I think it was. Um, and I think we were lapping five seconds faster than that for whatever reason. So uh, it was a bit of a shock when I first looked at the lap times on my first couple of push laps and saw it being that fast. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is quite a big step up. Uh, and then the GT3 car, yeah, it was actually pretty forgiving to drive. So uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a really cool experience. And I think for me, probably the hardest thing was actually jumping from the GT3 car back into the F2 car suddenly. Um, when I realized I had all this grip suddenly, I was like, wow, I've got to break a lot later. And it took me a lap or two to readjust. Uh, so that was a bit of a shock. And, and was there a particular car or maybe even session? Because uh, obviously, the the just, just to make it clear to people, the GT3 and the LMP3 car, you get very short amounts of time in. A couple of runs on used tyres and then it's and then it's new tyres and that's it. Whereas obviously the F2 car, you've got a day and a half and you can get to know it a bit better. And I think with the F2 car, you guys are probably at the limit of the car you know by the end of the two days i don't i don't think anyone's going to jump in and suddenly find you know three quarters of a second straight away so yeah was there a particular uh, car or session that you got out and went yeah that was that was good that i nailed that one um it's a, it's a tricky one I, I think i felt pretty comfortable in the in the gt3 car um i felt i could find the limit pretty quickly uh, and i think it also suits my driving style slightly uh, for me in my head it was a bit more clear of how to drive the car knowing I didn't have much grip but I had a lot of power and a lot of stopping power as well so uh, yeah for me it was pretty clear what I had to do um, to be honest I actually really enjoyed every session in the F2 car uh, and there was one session where we had a, a one shot uh, run on new tyres I think I made a little mistake uh, where I think talking to, to the other finalists we all struggled to get the front the front left tyre and so we, we, we turned up for turn one and missed the corner so uh, I don't think I was alone in that one thankfully uh, so that was probably the session I enjoyed the least uh, but I think I made up for it in the following run we got um, but for me actually both the, with the practice race run and then the actual race run we got as well uh, I really enjoyed um, it's quite unique trying to see how the tyres drop off and also with the F2 car it's pretty unique as we have quite a lot of in-car adjustments uh, three roll bar settings and I think up to six degrees of front wing adjustment. So you could kind of uh, cater the balance as the tyres went off or as one axle was going off. So that was that was quite cool to be able to manage and stay at consistent lap time. I think as I felt the rear's going off, I could take some front wing off and grain the front tyre slightly and then add it back on when I needed to to try and get the balance back. So that was quite cool to, to manage and actually had the freedom to, to do that because in the past I found if your tyres start going off, it's usually a pretty slippery slope, but at least with the adjustments, you could kind of rescue it uh, if needed be. Yeah, the F2 car is quite good for that, isn't it, it's, uh, while, while you're doing the run? And of course, it's good for us to see from the judge's perspective who's using what to manage that situation. Interesting you mentioned about the one-lap shot because we learned something there as well. That's the first time that we tried that. And I think given how cold it is in October, what we probably should have done was an out-lap, a warm-up lap, and then a flyer, given that I think you pretty much all of you went quicker 
after you'd come in and gone out again, which obviously shouldn't happen if you're at the peak of the tyre. So we learned something there as well. We're trying to hone the process as, uh, as we go along. And and how did you find the, the difference between, obviously, in the GT car and the LMP3 car, you had benchmark drivers. So you had Johnny Adam in the Aston and Charlie Robertson is a former finalist in the Ginetta. So you obviously had, A, a lap time that you knew that the car could do and you had someone you could talk to. So did that was that helpful compared to the F2 car, or it's pretty much like, well, here you go, you can compare it to yourself, and that's kind of it? Uh, yeah, it's a really weird one. I think um, depending on the, the driver, uh, it depends how much pressure they put on themselves, I guess, with lap time. Um, for me, I didn't feel too much pressure actually in the F2, not knowing what other people had done. Um, I think if you were to know what the fastest lap time was, uh, unless it was obviously you who set the fastest lap time, uh, I think there'd be a lot more pressure, especially if you knew you were, let's say, half a second off the fastest. Um, I think you'd be putting a lot of pressure. Uh, and especially from a driver's perspective, it'd be interesting to see how they how they react to it, if they start overdriving, stressing too much. Uh, and then with the other two cars, the GT3 and the LMP3, it was actually quite nice having a reference lap, uh, especially, I think, in the GT3 car, it was on the Delta. In the LMP3 car, it wasn't, but I knew what time he'd done. So... It was a kind. It was a weird one because I thought if I'm slower than the reference, well, he's done a se- couple of seasons in the car. He should should be faster. But equally, if I got close to the reference or beat it, I was pretty convinced I was doing a good job. So it was quite hard to judge actually how what everyone else was doing and if you were doing a good job. Um, I think in both cars we either beat or got very close to the reference um, collectively as as four. So uh, yeah, it was a weird one, kind of seeing how close we were to the reference in those two cars and then the F2 car having no real cues at all. Yeah, I think being the benchmark driver that you all test is about the uh, worst job of the whole thing, actually, because you're only ever going to come out looking like a Wally if you get beaten. So, uh, yeah, no, it's not... So it saves them slightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, but that's true, that's true. But, um, well, actually, one thing I did want to ask is it, it uh, from one year to another, it's quite interesting to see how the drivers interact with each other now there are some years where nobody talks to anyone <laughs> yeah. but you guys all seem to be quite you know quite friendly there didn't seem to be any needle or anything did i mean did you go so far as to even share times uh or was it kind of we chat but we're not going to give too much away i'm kind of intrigued by that dynamic i think rough hints would be the word um <laughs> and any lap time i was given or hinted to i took with a i wouldn't say a pitcher salt a bowl of salt let's say um Obviously, no one's going to fully reveal. I know I wouldn't reveal what times they've done completely. Um, but I think we all had a pretty good idea. We were quite close. Um, and also, only one of our, only Johnny could actually drive. So we had to carpool to and from the hotel. So that kind of forced us to be a bit closer anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, I knew I knew Johnny from, from Carlin this year and, and way back in karting. And that's the same uh, with Ollie as well. I've raced him a bit in GB3 this year and done bits and bobs with karting. Uh, and I know Louis as well um, from from back in Genetics. He used to work a bit with my team. So, uh, yeah, I, I knew all of them pretty well. So it wasn't, there was no real to need to be uh, too toxic, I guess. Uh, and also because you don't really know the lap times. Um, it's tricky. I think for me, for some drivers, especially even me, if I'm, if I'm slower than people, I get a bit sulky. Um, and I'm not too happy to have a chat. I'm just more focused on trying to, get faster and faster so I'm uh not knowing what anyone else is doing was was kind of fine I could have a chat with everyone and uh also share stories across we were racing different series so we could share our, our different stories across across the year 
yeah, that's cool. You've got quite a breadth of different single seater sit uh, experience between you. Um, so yeah, that's a. I uh, know. I just thought it was uh, in, interesting to see, and I have to say, I know people say this every year, but I think it was a really strong year. Uh, it was really enjoyable to, to to watch everyone go out there and, and do their thing. It's it's one of the highlights of the year for the judges as well. Um, but looking ahead to next year, what's what's on the what's on the agenda for Zach O'Sullivan twenty twenty two? What 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 can we look at? The plan is uh, FIAF three. Um, I think I've learned enough this year in GB3 and that seems like the logical step. Um, so yeah, just finalising and, and putting pen to paper essentially for that deal. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be it should be good fun. I competed in the test uh, in November at Valencia. Um, and yeah, it, it went okay. I mean, I, I learned enough about the car um, and I think, yeah, compared quite well to teammates as well. And, and the majority for me as well was just, just learning the car, learning how to drive it, um, Every car I seem to jump into has a pretty different driving philosophy uh, and target goal for for how you're meant to drive the car, depending on its power, its grip, its weight, etc., or even roll center. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting for me to to get to experience that and also learn Valencia, which I thought was pretty useful uh, as it's attracted a lot of a lot of tra- uh, series tests at now, especially. Yeah, that's true. How just out of interest, how similar did you find the? FIF3 car to the old FIF2 car because obviously there there's certain similarities. I mean they're on similar tire and power and stuff, but uh, yeah, how different were they? Yes, I think the F2 car was on the the DMA or the DM Pirelli, so a bit of a harder compound than the the F3 tire. The F3 tire is kind of specifically built for that. Uh, the F3 tire has got a bit more sideboard deflection. That was the kind of main thing you felt, but degradation again was pretty similar. The main thing is the power i wouldn't say power difference but power output difference um the way it's kind of introduced to the turbo is pretty kick in the face it wakes you up in the morning that's for sure the first run each morning it was like wow okay <laughs> uh whereas with the the fia3 car it's just a a, a mecha chrome v6 so pretty standard power output uh obviously drs in the f3 car so that's something else to to get used to um quite nice and it becomes pretty second nature once you get your hand up onto the paddle you kind of hold it there and, and watch the lap time delta tick away um but then obviously we don't have any in-car adjustments compared to the the f2 car which was a, a bit of a pain a couple of times on race trends in valencia i was missing missing my front wing buttons on the wheel so uh yeah i think it was pretty interesting to contrast the two i think overlap time they're within the same second so they're very very close they just go about it pretty different ways yeah, I think I quite like having the in-car adjustment because if you look at a you know a quick lap from Lewis Hamilton, or even back with Marcus Schumacher, like you're saying, yeah, the, a qualifying lap from him sometimes he'd be doing different settings and changing diff things from one one part of the corner, one part of the circuit to another. So, um, well, thank you very much uh, for for joining us. Um, also at awards, and that's when we'll find out who uh, who the young driver is for this this year. So, thank you very much. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. If you've got a detective's eye, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. 
you'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the Roaring Twenties. New chapters are added weekly. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android and iOS mobile devices as well as on PC through Facebook games. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.